0: If you would like. This morning, we are going to look at the primary speaking gifts that are permanent or building gifts for the church. This is the part I've been looking forward to when we talk about uh, spiritual gifts. The ones we've talked about so far are sign gifts, authenticating the message and the messenger. They are also foundational gifts that got the church started. Now we're going to talk about the ones that I like as a pastor, because these are the ones I can stand up here and say, if this is you, here's where you fit. Here's what you should be doing to contribute to building up and strengthening the church. This morning, we're going to look at the ones that the Bible indicates are primary speaking gifts. That is teacher and the gift of pastor, teacher, and the gift of evangelism. Peter already talked a little about evangelism. I'll get back to that at the end of the sermon. I'd like to start with uh, an illustration. There was a teacher of a grade school that, uh, at Thanksgiving time, asked her students to take a piece of paper and draw a picture of something they were thankful for. And you can imagine grade schoolers drew all kinds of things from their pets to their parents to you name it, whatever. But there was one young man, and he was a little on the poor side. He was a little awkward, a little backward, just not quite with the program. And all he did was draw a picture of an empty hand. The teacher was very concerned about that. And as the rest of the students were going out, she pulled them aside and said, "Uh, is there something wrong? I, I saw in your picture you just have an empty hand. He said, no, there's nothing wrong, teacher that's your hand. You see, when I'm scared to go out on the playground, you would come up and take my hand and lead me out. And when I wasn't sure I wanted to answer a question, you would come over and take me by the hand and encourage me to answer the question. Teacher, you've been the one there for me. That's what I want you to hear today, because God has equipped every one of you with a hand could be your mouth, could be your hands, could be your feet, could be whatever. He has equipped you to reach out and help somebody else. That's a building gift. That's a permanent gift. Every one of you, if you've trusted Christ, you have a permanent building gift to be used in conjunction along with the other gifts so that This local assembly and way beyond this local assembly, the church of Jesus Christ can be built up and become mature and move forward and minister to people. That's the message of this morning. This morning, we're going to be basically talking about those gifts that have to do with speaking. And that's okay, we will talk about all the rest of the gifts as we go through. There are 10 of them that I can identify uh, that are. Uh, in the Bible that are permanent or building gifts. Uh, the gift itself uh, is also the person. Some places it actually makes that clear. There's the gift of teaching, but there's the teacher. And so understand that these things are not a role or a position. They are an ability to minister given very specifically and very specially by the Holy Spirit to all believers at the time of their uh, conversion, the time when they trusted Christ. You may or may not know what that gift is. As we go along, I will give you some ideas of how you can identify your gift and begin using it. But uh, so far, we're just going to simply challenge people in that direction. As we look, we're going to look at these three passages that relate to this. A permanent or building gift is a gift that is for the whole church age, not just for the beginning of the church age. We've already talked about some of those. It is to equip and build the church. It's for you to use, but it's also for you, if you have that gift, to teach other people. One of the things that's true of all the permanent or building gifts is that every Christian has already been instructed to carry these things out. All of us in one way or the other are teachers. All of us in one way or the other are shepherds. That's the word pastor. All of us, as Peter already mentioned, are commanded by God to evangelize, to be witnesses to those around us. All of us are supposed to do that. We've been commanded as part of growing and maturing as a Christian, we will carry them out. But there are those in every congregation, every place Christians meet, there are those that have a special ability in that direction they lead the way. It becomes the primary focus of their ministry, as I have up there. And it also gives them opportunities, not only to lead and to carry it out, but also to teach other people how to do that. People that don't necessarily have the gift, but teach them how to go in that direction. All of these gifts are given to male and female equally. And, uh, they, it doesn't matter if you're young or old, you may not at this point know what your spiritual gift is. When I got saved, I thought my spiritual gift was helps. I now know that my spiritual gift is not helps. That's a natural ability that I had to work with my hands and do those kinds of things. I had that long before I was a Christian. My spiritual gifts are teaching pastor, teacher, and, um, exhortation. We're not talking about exhortation today, but uh, those are mine. And so I have a responsibility to use them. I may or may not have a position. I've used these gifts long before I had a position in the church and we uh, will use them long after I retire. That's my plan anyway. And uh, I hope to be able to teach others also uh, that gift. One of the things that's been a delight for me over the past uh, Probably 15 years now, is to do internships with other young men who are now, and women, who are now in ministry. Some of them are pastors, some of them are missionaries, some are serving the Lord in other ways. I've had that ability and that privilege to be able to take what God has given me and teach someone else. As I already mentioned, it's not a job or a position, and it is what is normal ministry now becomes specific to me when I know what my spiritual gift is and use it. And as I already mentioned, all of the gifts, not one is more important than the other, but all working together, build the whole church, make the whole church strong, and equip the whole church to do the whole work that Christ has for us. This is not, this This slide is not about a gift in particular. It's about a concept. The concept of Teaching in the Bible is the idea that you are discipling someone else. They are a learner, you're the teacher. Disciple simply means a learner. Even before people come to Christ, they are referred to in the New Testament, in the Gospels, as disciples. They're trying to learn of what Christ is and what he has done and what he's planning to do and who he is and all those kinds of things. So uh, if you're a teacher, you're a discipler. The New Testament word for disciple is mathetase, which is the word we use for mathematician. Somebody that's got things in order. That's what it comes down to. In fact, as in Matthew chapter 10, verse 24, it says this, a disciple is not above his teacher. It also goes on to say a slave is not above his master, but a disciple is one who is being taught. In fact, is the next verse, and I like the way this goes together, Luke six forty is that a pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone after he has been fully trained will be like his teacher. Our goal is to use the gift that God has given us and to turn around and help someone else to develop that gift in their life. That's what we do. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor, a youth leader, Bible study teacher, uh, children's teacher, it doesn't matter. Our job is to equip other people so that the work of the ministry can be carried out in the church. Now, the gift of teacher, I already mentioned, it's one of the primary gifts because only three gifts are enumerated. Prophets, apostles, those are gifts from the foundation of the church. But the third is teachers. And uh, it says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And then in Romans chapter 12, verse 7, it says, those, the one who teaches, and speaking of spiritual gifts again, one who teaches in his teaching. Notice it's the gift of the, the actual ministry, but it's also the person, the one who teaches. That's a person. So it really is a big part of your identity as a Christian. It's not your whole identity, but it's a part of your identity. And then in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, where again, it spells out a differentiation between some of the gifts. It says that there were some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. I'm not going to go into Greek today, but I'm going to tell you, notice I underlined the word some. Well, some comes before each one of the other gifts, and some comes right before pastors and teachers, The and links them inseparably together. The way it's written in Greek simply is this. Pastor slash teacher. In other words, if you have the gift of pastor teacher, part of that gift, one part of it, about half the gift, is teaching. And that's what we're we're looking at. But there's also the gift of teaching by itself without the pastor or shepherd part that goes to it with it. Now... A teacher is not simply one who stands up and reads what somebody else has written. A teacher will require the one who has the gift of teaching. Lots of people teach. All of us have been commanded to teach. But one who has this gift goes way beyond just simply standing in front of some people and kind of spouting back off what somebody else has said or something you've read because one who has the gift of teaching is, first of all, going to have the desire to learn the Word of God, minutely learn the Word of God, know exactly what it says and be convinced of it, a willingness to study. The the time you spend in front of a class or a small group or a youth group or a congregation is, you know, a small amount of time. But if you ask anyone who's a teacher, you will find out that they spend multiple, multiple, multiple times that long before they ever stand up. In fact, is I would be absolutely shaken in my boots if I hadn't done that ahead of time, because I wouldn't be doing exactly opposite of what I know the Bible teaches. It is the desire to make clear, simple, and accurate. In fact, there's sometimes as teachers, we want to get so involved in details that we kind of bore other people because we need to know the details so we can be confident in what we say. But what people need to hear is the result. I had a teacher in college says, you don't preach the process. You preach the result. So I need to know how I got to that conclusion, but I don't need to tell everybody else because your eyes would glaze over. Uh, Peter and I do that in the office. I don't do that in, hopefully, in front of you. Practical application. Teaching is not simply giving out a bunch of instruction. You can sound like a know-it-all and get nothing accomplished that way, but you need to look at it and say, hey, this makes some sense. That illustration I used hopefully did that for you. It urges us to have knowledge and maturity and spiritual usefulness in the person we're teaching. The end result is not so that your student or your pupil or your disciple can win a Bible trivia quiz or a Bible trivia game. It's so they actually become strong in the Lord to the power of his mind. So they become built up and mature and spiritual in their life. It is also it's, an end result is, if you're studying, and you know what the Bible says and the Bible says what it means and means what it says, then you really don't care if somebody criticizes you. If you're worried about what somebody might say about you and you know that kind of thing, don't even start because you're going to be highly disappointed because there will always be somebody that disagrees with you. What are the requirements? Again, these are not specific only to the gift of teaching. I want to make that clear. These are principles now. And that is, if you're going to be a teacher, you need to be a mature Christian. This is one of those passages in the Bible that gives some people heartburn because they believe it teaches you can lose your salvation. But here's the deal. He's just saying, you're not who you should be. You're not spiritually where you should be. That's the, the context here. And it says, you, you ought to be teachers. You've been a Christian for a while. You ought to be teachers. And you have need, again, for somebody to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles or the word of God. You have a need to be back on a, a baby bottle instead of eating steak. That's the bottom line. If you're going, if you have the gift of teacher, you better use it. You better be mature yourself or you'll you'll be in big trouble. Number two, you need to be strong and steadfast in the truth. It's interesting that the Apostle Paul, when he is talking to a young pastor by the name of Timothy, he says, Timothy, here's what you need to be aware. There are many who have turned aside to fruitless discussions in teaching. Guess what? My opinion doesn't matter. Now, anybody that knows me knows I have an opinion about everything. Nothing wrong with that. But you know what? That's not Bible teaching. And I need to make sure that my opinion and what the Bible says are two different things. But, by the way, I hope that my opinions are Bible-based. Okay, so I'm not going there. But the point is, there are people that just want to discuss things. They want to be teachers. They want, they want what goes with being a teacher but they don't understand either what they're saying or about the matters that they're making confident assertions. In other words, they have an opinion, but it's not an informed biblical opinion. And that's a problem. And the second verse that uh, our second passage that deals with that is the apostle Paul makes it clear. And folks, in case you didn't know this, we are here now. They were there back then, but it's gotten worse. It says, that there's going to come a time when people will not endure sound doctrine, that is sound instruction or sound teaching, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires and will turn away from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Guess what? The church as a whole has done that. It is I I just got this uh, uh, just a a couple of weeks ago that the big organizations that will help churches find a pastor. They told a, a local church, you have to water down your doctrinal. You'll never get any candidates. Folks, that's pathetic. That's pathetic because the bottom line is we need to know truth and teachers need to teach truth. Nothing but the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. And it says there will be people. And it'll come from people. It's like they want to hear what they want to hear. And um, they will go where they hear what they want to hear. Whether it's true or not is irrelevant to them. They just want to hear what they want to hear. If you don't believe that, look around and see what people do. They hear one thing from a pastor they don't like, and they're out of there. They they can't get out of the door fast enough. And they just keep going around because they're never going to be satisfied. Because what you need to do is say, Not, do I like what the pastor or the teacher or whoever said is, is it true? Is it biblical? That's what I need to hear. That's what they need to hear. They need to be viewed critically. No pastor can just, or or teacher, I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself. No teacher can just stand up and say, hey, this is what I believe it says. No, teachers need to be held accountable. Their feet need to be held to the fire you will never offend me by questioning something I say. If I can't give you a very good, solid biblical answer, you will drive me crazy, or it will drive me, no, you won't, but it'll drive me crazy. Maybe you will drive me crazy. I don't, that's not what I wanted to say, though. What do they call it? Floydian, yeah, I can't even say it, forget it. Anyway, maybe I meant that, I don't know. But anyway, but you know what? It's really true because there are false teachers. And notice what it says. Among you. Doesn't say from the outside. Doesn't say from the world. It says among you. That's from the inside. He says, who will secretly, they're not doing it openly, but they will slide it in their destructive heresies, factions, even denying Jesus Christ. He says, they're going to bring destruction on themselves. And by the way, when they bring destruction on themselves... They ruin congregations. They ruin the testimony of Christ's church as a whole. There are people who have several gifts. I'm just want to point this out. The Apostle Paul is talking about himself here when he's talking to Timothy. He says, "I was appointed a preacher," and I want to. I'll, I'll get back to this again in the in the end of the sermon. The word preacher means a proclaimer. It is normally used with the gift of evangelism, not so much with teacher or pastor-teacher. Even though it's used for both of those a couple of times, it's basically evangelism. And then he goes on, apostle and the teacher. In his case, he had a specific audience, the Gentiles. And so the apostle Paul just tells us that he had various gifts. Now, there are some gifts. Remember I said, these are special abilities. They're male and female. For example, a female can be have the gift, I'm sorry, of pastor-teacher. On the other hand, uh, they could have the gift of teacher But there are some restrictions on the position or the role or the job, the ministry that you would actually carry out. doesn't mean you're not a teacher or a pastor teacher. It simply means there are not all the positions or all the roles are open. We've talked about that in the past. But the Apostle Paul told Timothy, I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Notice what it does say and what it doesn't say. It doesn't say a woman can't teach. It simply says in these situations they can't teach. But there are others where and and I've seen this, it's very cool to me because I'm not good at this, but there are some places that it's preferable to use some of these gifts. For example, it says the older women, by the way, that does not mean you have to have a cane and have gray hair to do this. It simply has to do with maturity. Uh, but older women, likewise, are to be teaching what is good that they may teach the young women to love their husbands, to love their, love their children, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, to be, uh, you know, all of those things that are there. In other words, it is the special ability, but they are used differently in different situations. Teachers, as I already said, this is one of the most sobering verses for me in all of the Bible. And if you think, you know what, I'd like to be a teacher. Well, unless God has called you to be a teacher and given you the gift I, or pastor, teacher for that matter, I'm going, you better slow down. Why? Because James chapter 3, verse 1 makes something very clear. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. Think about it this way if you're a teacher and you're in front of people, whether it's one or two people or a whole crowd, doesn't really matter, if you are giving out truth, you better get it right. And your life better back it up because God says, I'm holding you accountable. There's no doubt about it. This is not a pride issue. His people look up to you. They'll say, hey, Pastor Paul's my pastor. Uh, that, that's, that's heartwarming. I'm glad people look up. On the other hand, I know one thing. Anybody that says that scares the living daylights out of me. You know why? Because I know that God is holding me accountable for what I've taught that person and how I've lived before that person. Yeah. Being a teacher is not to be taken lightly. But the gift, if you have it, use it. And there are various platforms. One of the things people say, oh, this person has the spiritual gift of music. There is no such thing in the Bible. But I can tell you what it does say is that there are various platforms that you can use to instruct and to teach. One of them is absolutely music. How do I know that? Because the Bible says so. It says... um, Let the word of God dwell richly in you. Notice it starts with the word of God. It's dwelling in you. It's a part of you. And you have wisdom. That is putting the facts into action. Teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Whether you're writing the song, whether you're singing the song, performing the song, leading the song, it doesn't matter. If you have the gift of teaching, it may land up being with women. It may be land up in music. It may be with adults. It may be with children. It really doesn't matter. God uses this gift in various ways. Now, what kind of people would have a position or a job that would require or at least insinuate that this is part of their gifting? All pastor could be a teacher. I believe my primary gift is actually teacher, not pastor teacher. I think that's second. Instructor in any class where you are teaching the Bible. That could be a Bible college professor, a, a Christian school teacher uh, teaching the Bible. Uh, this is not the same as I'm a school teacher, or I'm a professor or whatever. Uh, you may have that gift, but this is to be used in ministry, to, to get out the word of God. You could be a writer of Christian books, teaching materials, curriculum, and all those kinds of things. And as I said uh, a moment ago, a writer or singer of, and, and this is big, I should have underlined it, biblically correct music, not just catchy tunes and, and things that are warm and fuzzy, but no, doctrinally sound music. And we, we need to have that. Not all music is that way. What the gift is not. It's not simply reading uh, a curriculum. If you're a children's teacher, you might not actually have this show up as your gift. Here's why. I found over the years that children's teachers tend to be having the gift of administrations because they're most likely not doing what Peter and I do on a regular basis and, and others who teach adults. But you're using what has already been put together and using it in an organized way to teach our young people. And so you may actually be teaching with an administrative um, mindset and administrative gift. It's uh, I already said a, a teacher in a secular uh, position, whether it's uh, somebody that's a trainer or anything else, you could have the spiritual gift, but that's not necessarily the exercise of it. And uh, one of the things that this is not is standing up and trying to impress people what you know. I had a professor, didn't totally understand it back then, that's before I was a pastor. He said, let your education be known by your simplicity. Better know your audience. Better not talk over their head. You talk over their head, you're just drawing attention to yourself and they go, whoa, isn't he really articulate? By the way, I don't even know what that word... No, I do know what it means. But anyway, you know what? The thing is, you talk to who the audience is and you don't try to impress people. You don't say, I hope everybody recognizes me. I hope everybody looks up to me. That is not this gift. And uh, teachers can tend to be dull because the things that we think are important as as, uh, teachers... (laughs) aren't really that important to other people. We need to teach, as I said, the result. Now, the gift of pastor teacher simply means shepherd teacher. Um, And it is the word shepherd. It's used only once, pastors. But it is used shepherd many, many times in the Bible. It it means to tend, to protect, to oversee, to guide, to feed, and care for the sheep. Somebody said it a little bit like a coach. And um, I kind of buy that somewhat. But what is true of a teacher is true of pastor teacher. With these additions, this is the shepherd side of that gift. Willingness to walk before people. Not simply instructing, but carrying it out and walking. Remember, a shepherd in those days always walked before the sheep, led the way the sheep followed you did not drive sheep. You walked before the sheep. That is the pastor role. You encourage people to follow. Of course, you help people to apply the word of God. That gets very personal at times. The next one is not a fun one. Correcting people that are astray or wrong in their doctrine or their thinking or their relationships. Uh, not a fun part of being a shepherd, but a shepherd needed to do guide the sheep back where they needed to be when they went astray. I used to say a pastor is a jack of all trades, a master of none. I got corrected this week. I saw what somebody wrote and they were totally right. I had to change what I've been saying for years. Jack of all ministries and a master of one. If you're going to be a pastor, teacher, uh, a pastor, teacher, the one you need to excel at is the teaching ministry. They are responsible leaders in the local church. In fact, is uh, this is not about the gift itself. It's the principle of shepherding. Notice it starts, you're on guard for all the flock. Uh, Paul was visiting Ephesus says, here for the last time. He was going back to Jerusalem. He wasn't returning. He said, You have a flock. You're shepherds. Uh, he says, God has made you overseers, your supervisors, over the flock the, to shepherd the church of God because he says, Savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And he goes on to say, not only will they come from the outside, but they'll also come from the inside. He says, you need to be shepherds. One of the things about uh, being a pastor is you are a shepherd. It's way more than simply someone who's a teacher. You're held to a higher standard. He says, here are the things that you need to do. If you look at this as simply a job, and I'm getting ahead of myself, uh, you get the wrong, you're, you're in the wrong place. You're in the wrong mindset. Nothing's right about this. Because he says, you shepherd the flock, you exercise oversight, but you do it voluntarily. You do it because it's the right thing to do, and that's what God has given you. He's given the position and the gifting and all those kinds of things. You don't do it simply for gain, but you do it with eagerness. I'd go out of my... Put it this way, if I did something to disqualify myself from being a pastor... I don't know. I think I'd go out of my head. And I know one thing when I'm done, when I retire, I'm going to still keep doing these kinds of things. Different venue, but I'm going to still keep doing them because that's who God has made me. And, and uh, he says, you do it with eagerness. I, I, I look forward to doing these things and not lording over. That is, hey, I'm in charge and you're not, not that, but but proving examples. Again, you start by walking in front you say, don't do what I say, follow and do what I show you. And then the issues. Yeah. There are people and the word that's used here, the word caring means shepherding. It's the exact same word. It says they're shepherding themselves. He said, they're clouds without water. Let's face it. If you're in a drought and you see clouds, you go, yeah, great. We're going to have rain. He says they're clouds without water. In other words, they are not doing what they're supposed to do. They look like the real thing, but there's no substance to it. There is, and this is true, I don't think it has, I don't know if it's gotten worse or not. It was true in Paul's time and Timothy's time, but there is pressure to conform to whatever except for the truth and there always will be. It's true today. I can't speak for the past. I can only speak for today, but it's to preach the word in season, out of season, that's when it's convenient, not convenient, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. That patience one there, I wish they crossed that one out, but nonetheless, it's there. Accumulate for themselves, these people who have itching ears, don't want their ears tickled. They want to hear only what they want to hear. They accumulate teachers in accordance with their own desires. Like, you know what? If that's, I don't like it, I'm going someplace else. I'm not going to listen. It's not simply another job. I've already gone over that one. And how do you use the gift of pastor teacher? Obviously could be a pastor, but just because you have the gift of pastor teacher does not make you a pastor of a church or a, a mission agency or any a, a mission endeavor or anything like that. Uh, one of the a lady that I've known and some of you've known her um, was a teacher and a grade school principal at uh, Mount Calvary Christian School, Mrs. Nancy Morris. If that lady did not have the gift of pastor teacher, I don't know anybody that does. She was a teacher of teachers and a shepherd of kids. My kids loved her, and she was one of the toughest teachers she ever they ever had. But she led them. She walked in front of them. She cared and tended and fed them. It gives me goosebumps just thinking. Small group leader could have the gift of pastor teacher. Could be an elder in the church, not necessarily, but could be. Uh, Youth group leader, women's ministry, a chaplain at a hospital or in the military. Any of those kinds of things that is not simply teaching, but also shepherding people. What it is not, I already went over that moving on. Uh, evangelist. Evangelist has the ability to preach the gospel to the unsafe. This is the point man for the church. This is the gift that is basically used out the doors. But not only because all the spiritual gifts, as I mentioned before, and it is in First, uh, I mean Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11, it says that this is for the equipping of the body. In other words, if you have the gift of evangelism, it's not only okay just to use it, that would be correct, but you have the responsibility of teaching others how to witness, how to evangelize. and But basically, you become the point person of the church. And it's clear that An evangelist is one who proclaims good tidings, the good news. That's the gospel. The gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ died for your sins, that he was buried, he rose again the third day, and that if you trust him, you can have eternal life. That's the good news. That's evangelism. It doesn't mean, uh, Paul told Timothy he was to do the work of an evangelist. I don't know if Timothy had the gift of evangelism or not. But if you're a pastor, teacher, or a teacher, you're also going to be doing some evangelism, just like Peter challenged you a little earlier, that all Christians are challenged to be my witnesses. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. All of us are to do that, but some have a special ability. And there is one person, only one person that I know of in the New Testament, that is actually called an evangelist. Philip the evangelist. It says he was one of the seven. You go, one of the seven what? Well, if you go back, the first deacons, the first servants in the church, there were seven of them. Stephen was uh, the number one one, and Philip was right in that list, and he is the one that became the evangelist. God had obviously gifted him in several different directions, and one of them was evangelism. How do you use the gift of evangelism? This is not my gift. Do I evangelize people? Do I witness to people? The answer is yes on a regular basis. It's not my gift. Definitely not. I know when I see somebody with evangelism, if I'm with them on a visitation, I just kind of back up because it's just like watching it's just great watching somebody else. Just like I don't have the gift of showing mercy, just in case anybody didn't know that yet. But I've been, I've been in a hospital room where the person with me had the gift of showing mercy. I just kind of sit back and watch them work. It's really cool to see that. And it's really cool to see people that have other gifts, administration. I watch uh, Mindy obviously has the gift of administrations. Uh, that's why you all hired her for our secretary. But I watch, she gets stuff done that would take me forever to do. She just, I'm like, oh, wow, that's great. You know, hey, it's, it's just everybody's different. And it's really cool when you see somebody exercising your gift. They're, I'm sorry, exercising their gift, you know. And hopefully it's the same when they're watching you. It could be church planting as in missionaries because that is reaching out. And uh, in missions or even in the United States, church planting, by the way, is not taking people from another person's flock into a new church. It is reaching out to those that don't know Christ. Camping ministries, obviously, places like Mount Lusanne. Hundreds and thousands of young people have come to Christ at Mount Lusanne, Word of Life, and places like that. Great opportunity uh, for evangelism. Jack Wertzen, who started Word of Life, uh, obviously, I had him as a teacher, not really a good teacher, but an evangelist. Absolutely, um, writing evangelistic like materials, tracts, and those kinds of things. Obviously, visitation ministry, and the one we usually look at is personal evangelism. And by the way, you could be Billy Graham. On the other hand, my next slide says you aren't Billy Graham, <laughs> and I'm using that one because all of you know that he just passed away. And when you talk about evangelism, people call him a pastor. He was an evangelist. That was his claim to fame. His sermons weren't about this, that, and the other thing. They were about trusting Christ. He was an evangelist of evangelists um, and and did that. But here's what I want to tell you. Billy Graham will be judged exactly like the person sitting in this pew who witnesses to the person in the aisle of um, Home Depot or at the grocery store. Right, Brian? (laughs) Him and I were talking yesterday at Home Depot. Point is, God says, did you faithfully use the gift I gave you where I put you? You're not going to most likely be Billy Graham. But Billy Graham isn't where you work and in your neighborhood. You see, we need to simply be who we are and bloom where we're planted. God expects us to use that spiritual gift, not only to minister to other people, but to help others also be able to use that principle. So if you're a teacher... You should also be teaching other teachers. One of the greatest things I've ever seen, Now I've got to quit now, is when I see a mom taking her daughter with her to the toddler nursery or the, uh, the toddler class and allowing them to feet wet. Almost every woman who teaches young people started at the age of 12 with another adult female. Most likely their mother or somebody they knew you know what? That's a teacher teaching a te- somebody else that's going to teach. That's what we need to do. Just remember, all of us have a gift. You've trusted Christ, you have a gift. God expects you to faithfully use that gift. Some of them are used when we gather together. Some are used when you leave the door. It doesn't matter. He just calls us and holds us accountable for faithfully using what he's given us, where we are with all the rest of the package that goes with who you are. Let's all stand together as we close in prayer. Father, we thank you for giving us value, making us an indispensable part of building up the church. Lord, thank you that none of us can say, I don't have anything to do. I don't have a part to play. I can just sit here and do nothing and kind of sit in the shadows. But I thank you that we all have a part. I pray that we would faithfully use the gift that God has given us. Thank you in Jesus name. Amen. God bless. Go with God and use what God has given you.